Welcome everyone to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney. Our goal here is to give you some actionable takeaways that will help you lead your teams. Thanks for joining us on this leadership journey. Let's get started. Hello, fellow leaders. It's Christine Courtney here with one of my favorite partners in crime, Greg Shammy in the studio today. Greg is someone who I probably co-facilitate with more than anybody else. And this topic today is one of our favorites because one of our most hated things when it goes wrong. And it's one of the most magical things when it goes right. And our mission is to have more magic in this world and less hatred. So welcome to How to Have Meetings That Don't Suck, starring Christine Courtney and Greg Shammy. Hey, Greg. Hey, Christine. How are you? Good. Let's change the world today. Let's just get a couple people doing a few things that make meetings tiny bit better. And if you want to say it more politically correct, you can say it more effective, more, uh, you know, impactful meetings. But really, everybody complains about meetings. And today we're going to try to help that just a little bit. So welcome, Greg. Thank you so much. I'm excited to dive into this topic with you. And I know that you just yesterday were out with one of our big companies that we work with doing this for about 50, 60 people all at once. Yes. And they were raving about it because everybody breathes a sigh of relief when they think that their companies are going to take some time to look at making meetings better. And so in the first part of this podcast, as you know, in the first part of all of our episodes, we focus first on the why. Why are we doing it? Why are we talking about this? Why is it important to focus on this in your company, in your life, in your families, in your churches, wherever it is. And then the second part will focus on really a lot of actionable tips that you can put in right away. So first, let's talk a little bit about why does everybody hate meetings these days? So Greg, what are some of your initial thoughts? I mean, just think about it. We all spend so much time in meetings. And so there's a redundancy that can happen just because of the frequency of meetings that we have, right? So when you just bring up the topic of meetings, everybody's like, oh, yes, okay, please help me because it can get very redundant and lacking of energy and focus and purpose, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of what happens like anything. So like with working out, you start off super strong and then suddenly after seven visits, you start to dip. So I think there's something in the frequency piece of that we spend so much time in meetings that we start to go dormant around some of the key aspects we need to do in order to really use that time as effectively as possible. Love it. I love that you must be around your seventh workout right now. You brought that number up. (laughs) Keep going, Greg. Make it to eight. But I I do want to say that, um, you know, there's some data around this. So those of you who are data folks out there, you know that Doodle did a poll. The uh, average professional now has 62 meetings a month. 50% of those meetings, people consider a waste of time. What? So that means that as an American business, we're wasting lots of time and money in meetings, right? Adelassian did a study on how much money is being wasted. So the cost of unproductive meetings to businesses in the U.S. is estimated to be, are you ready for this? What's your guess, Greg? What what do you guess? I I mean, I don't know. 
Well, I know you don't know. That's why it's a fun question. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I don't know. A hundred million. <laughs> okay. Well, close. 37 billion, with a B, $37 billion of wasted money in, across the U.S. in bad meetings. Okay. Meetings that suck, which we're going to try to affect slightly today. So 47% at salary.com. They said 47% of employees consider meetings to be the biggest time waster at work. And additionally, 63% of those respondents said that they often see their colleagues multitasking during meetings. And we know that we've all done it. I've done it. You've done it. We've all multitasked in meetings. We think that that is making us more productive. And we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure, in this about why that hasn't. The other thing is, is that since the pandemic, everybody's meeting levels have risen. So what happened was we all were remote. And so we were all on Zoom or Teams or whatever, right? Um, and we started to have more meetings because we couldn't see each other in those very relaxed ways throughout the day. And so these meetings got put into our calendar. And guess what? They never got taken out of our calendar. And so now what we have to do is change again and start to adjust as people start coming back into the offices, or even if you're hybrid or you're remote still, you got to relook at those meetings and go, wait a minute, how do we shift this here? And people get their feelings hurt when they get cut out of a meeting, even if they think the meeting is a waste of time. Mm. So sometimes it's good. I've seen companies just blank out all their meetings and start over with how to restructure them. So people are spending time, even if they're in the office, this cracks me up. And I've seen this great. We've seen this at our office. We go into the office to see each other because we don't see each other every day. We're hybrid. We go into the office to see each other. And guess what happens? Everybody is in separate offices on Zoom meetings. It's like, you, then you go, why did I even come in here? I, I'm now on a Zoom talking to Greg, who's on a Zoom in the office with me. So we really got to look at it. I mean, we got to look at it. Everybody's got to look at this phenomena and really start to change it. So today we're going to do our best, like I said, to try to change some of those things uh, a little bit. And we have been tackling this topic, not only with our own folks, but really with a lot of businesses who are asking us to do this with their staff and their teams, because it's not like the, as leaders, we know what to do. I feel lost sometimes too, right? In this process, a lot of times. So hopefully we can do some things today to help that. Right. I like it. I like the restart button too. I just, I love anything where I can look at something and go, okay, have I fallen asleep a little bit on that? How can I wake up and start this fresh and become way more impactful in that freshness? Yeah. Stay fresh, Greg. Stay, Stay fresh, Greg. Greg, since you just talked about this yesterday and you were with a lot of folks who were begging for this workshop, what would you say, you know, again, around what do you think are the biggest problems around meetings that we have? If you were to, to say like top five or something, what do you think are the biggest issues? Okay. Top five, definitely uh, number one coming in is not having a clear purpose, uh, objective, mm. goal. So what is the main purpose of the meeting? That is definitely number one. If there's, if there's no clear objective or goal, then there's no point, right? That's what we're, we're going after. Number two, uh, poor prep and poor organization, poor prep. I like preparation because I feel like if you're going to really intentionally go after a meeting, you have to prep and organize yourself really well. And you need to get your agenda and you need to have your specific timeframes of what each element is going to be and what you're going to attack and how long it's going to take. And that leads nicely to the third piece that takes down meetings or makes them suck, which in my opinion is weak facilitation. 
and not having someone who is really able to have the good energy and drive good authentic energy because we all have different energy. You can't fake energy, but it has to be coming from an intentionally deliberate place that is going after that objective, right? That's number three. Number four is what we see is the lack of participant voice. So meetings are there for us to come together and really stimulate each other's ideas, thoughts, push them, solve problems, and walk away inspired and motivated, right? And so if we're not bringing in the other voices in the meeting, then it's just, again, a talking head that I'm going to fall asleep to, if, especially if it doesn't have good energy. I want to be involved. And then the final one is no follow-up and no action steps. And, and I would say action steps first, right? What, what are we getting from this? What are we going to put into, into motion? And then that follow-up is you know, the recap of the meeting that doesn't happen a lot of times, and then the accountability right, of your action steps and me being there to support you getting them done. I love it. That was great. That was any others that you would add? <laughs> I just said five and you had five. I mean, is there any others? I mean, the only other thing I can think of is the forgetting to check in and get feedback on how the meeting was from the team. Uh, right? Like that to me is super important. Evaluating continuous feedback, coming back to me, what's working for you, what's not working for you. I mean, we do this in teaching, right? At the end of a class, you're, you're, what did you learn? What stopped your learning? And you know, what questions do you have, right? So we get from our students feedback that it's the same concept. We want from our, our teammates, our team members feedback so we can make the meetings as engaging and impactful as possible for them. That's great. Uh, that just reminded me, I took this workshop recently, and one of the things that they had at the end, which was at the end of every meeting, you were to ask yourself, on a scale of one to five, how honest was I in this meeting? And I thought, that's really interesting. Like, that goes to that idea of getting feedback or people's voices or how many people just sit there and, like, nod their heads in a meeting, but in their brains they are going, wait a minute, that makes no sense. Or what is she talking about? Or would he just, how do you bring your voice when you have dissent, right? And we talk about that with, if you listen to the episodes on psychological safety that Greg and I did, we talk about having the ability to question, to debate, to, you know, speak truth to power, whatever it is. And I thought that was a really scary question to ask, like how honest were you? A scale of one to five, but also really good in terms of bringing in that authenticity and learning how to do that for your voice. And you, if you want to do it, you don't have to, I've been asking myself that and people don't necessarily even know it, but it's like, how do I push myself to bring my voice in the moment when I want to, mm -hmm. uh, question something. Well, I think it's right on with the psych safety piece. And again, we work with a lot of times, you know, managers or people who are leading meetings. And so we're trying to help them bring out their best dynamic self in leading that meeting with purpose and, you know, creating an environment that's safe for their participants to experiment, take risks, share their thoughts and ideas and really go for it. Again, that's when we're going to get the most out of these meetings is when we use the power of the group, right? If that's the case. Yeah. 
So if those are top five things, and I think people can like check those off, I always like to think of it as like, can you create questions around those five things that you just said so that I can ask myself kind of a little checkbox? Like if I wrote down your notes while you were talking, like, do I have a purpose? Am I prepared? What have my, what do I need to be more prepared? The facilitation one is hard because I think a lot of people don't think about how they facilitate meetings. So that's kind of interesting to think about. Uh, one question I think I would put there is, Maybe something around like, can I send out this information in an email or do I need to bring people in for this meeting? I think sometimes people in whatever fashion we think we should get together as managers, we think we should pull our teams together all the time, get everyone on the same page. But maybe that can be done in also different ways, whether it's through um, some technology programs like Slack or Teams or, you know, there's a lot more than than that out there to get people it, knowing what's happening. You know, what you made me think of there is, is yeah. a lot of times I think about, and I mean, you, you run our company. So I know you think about this all the time is that if we're in a meeting, how much money are we spending on our salaries in that meeting? Right. Time-wise. Mm. And so again, if we're going to use that time most effectively, you know, cause a lot of money is being spent on that time. And so if I'm bringing people together, I really need to have a purpose and we really need to have clear outcomes that we're going to walk away with by the end of the meeting. Then the, then the investment becomes worthwhile. Yeah. And I've had people ask me like, well, I don't know how much everybody makes. How do I figure that out? And I'm like, well, it's easy. Start with your own salary and just figure <laughs> people are probably somewhere around there. You know, there's either up or down and you can automatically see even if it's just your time, how to make it worth it. I love that. You know, in the storytelling episode we did, if you want to listen to it, we and we that people retain so much more information when you're physically talking to them. So I think part of it is that people are afraid that no one reads emails anymore, which is probably true. But somehow you, we can't pull everybody together all the time. But when we do pull people together, that using that sense of story, really key, using your presentation skills, getting better at facilitating. And we, we have some episodes on that uh, that we've done, but also coming up on how to be a better facilitator you know, within your own companies, because it really is, to Greg's point, worth looking at. And then how do I get people's voices in more? I love that question. I think probably if I was to self-analyze, I don't ask myself that enough when I set up a meeting. So I'm going to try to add that in. And then to make sure that you get those follow-ups and action steps in there. We call them commitments and cascades, whatever you want to call them. But a lot of people who work in businesses want that piece. And I find that if we're not careful, we leave that lacking. So that's great. Those are great notes for us. I'm going to keep those five up on my computer, Greg, when I set up my next meeting. But what, what would you say are the biggest mistakes? Like little Tiny, maybe big. What are some mistakes that you think people make in meetings? Well, de definitely, again, not having a clear objective. That's a huge mistake, right? That, that again, it's got to have a purpose. Why are we coming together? And what are we going for? The other big mistake is not respecting people's time. I'm a firm, firm believer just from being a participant that those who actually say we're going to start at X time and end at X time and do it, I am so excited by that leader yeah, uh, because they're respecting it. Even if they give a few minutes for grace at the beginning or what have you, I'm excited that they're going to finish on time because God knows we've all been in meetings that have gone <laughs> way over the end time. And a lot of us have been actually leading meetings that felt like they were never going to end. 
So ever, <laughs> never. So those are two huge mistakes, right? If I can respect the time frame, obviously have my agenda prepared, and if I need to have like items that have time frames, my goal as as the leader of the meeting is to moderate and lead through the items as best as possible and or empower others to lead through an item and help them. But my job as the leader is to really keep us on track and move us along so that we can end at that end time. That respect piece is so huge and so many people don't respect the respect piece. Don't respect the respect. Well, you know, it's so true. And I just want to say, this is what happens. Nobody goes in thinking I'm going to disrespect people's time, right? In this meeting. What happens is they start their meeting. Maybe they start their meeting on time. Let's just assume they start their meeting on time. And then what happens? Not everybody's there. So then you think, ah, this is important information. Let me wait a couple minutes for people to show up. And then people straggle in. And then guess what message you're sending? I'm sending a message of like, you can straggle in late because we're not going to start on time. And so the next time I have a meeting, the same thing happens, maybe worse, right? And I, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it because you hate that you have to repeat yourself. Here's a nice way to address that. And this is what I do. I will say a minute after the start time and, you know, people are still struggling. And listen, we're going to welcome folks as they come in, but we're getting going. Let's start. And I like the welcome comment because, again, it's inclusive and somebody may be having an issue. Who knows? It happens to all of us. But whatever it is, we don't know what it is yet. So we'll welcome them in as they come. But let's go. Let's start. And, you know, that becomes an art form as well as how you navigate the different elements, people coming in, people going out, distractions happening, getting off track, all of these things make for really effective facilitation or leadership uh, running a meeting. So these are things I'm always working on, always working with people who are are leading meetings to work on. I love that. I've seen you do it. And it is a kind way to welcome folks because, you know, you don't know what people dealt with right before, but if it happens regularly, then you have a moment to pull them aside separately and say, Hey, I noticed the last couple of times you've been late to this meeting. What's going on? You know, is everything okay? Hear what they have to say and then say, look, it's really important. Your voice is important. Your ears are important. It's important for you to be in the room. We need to change that and see what, you know, what happens then. But I agree with you. You got to start, you got to start on time. And be transparent about it. Like, and say, listen, we're here from here to here. I, I say that. And my job is to take us through this. I'm so excited to see where everybody's at and hear, you know, get some thoughts on X problem, Y problem and walk away with like, that's part of my framing. Again, a great leader of a meeting is going to be framing what they're doing, then doing it and then reflecting back and pushing us out with specific action steps. The other thing is a lot of people, they like to be prepared for a meeting. And so it can be helpful. And I would say mandatory to send out an agenda before the meeting. And it would be a great idea, Greg, I, you know, you just made me think of it is to put the objective that you have as the person organizing the meeting at the top so that everybody can see this was the objective. And then at the end of the meeting, you can even say, okay, that was our objective. Did we accomplish it? Do we need to have follow-up? Do we, how do we do without being defensive, you know? So just adding in that time at the end, And also people feeling a sense of accomplishment from this meeting because you're fighting a 
tidal wave of people having a preconceived idea that meetings are terrible. And so you kind of, it's not even good enough just to change. You have to tell people that you're changing so that they can start to shift their mindset of like, oh, then maybe I'll bring myself to this meeting in a better way. Maybe I won't be on my phone the whole time. Maybe I won't be doing another document on my computer. Maybe I won't be answering my teenagers 5,000 emergency texts Mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, where's the peanut butter? (laughs) You know, the, like... (laughs) (laughs) my daughter is like why aren't you picking up stop ignoring me this is serious and then you'll see it and they'll be like did you order my hairspray on amazon and i'm like oh my god can you be in school and i be at work please anyway that's that's hysterical um, oh my gosh Maybe too much information. <laughs> All right. So the so those are two mistakes. Not having an agenda, uh, not having a clear purpose and objective, and not starting and ending on time and moving through the thing. So let me ask you this, because this is another big one that comes up when I hear people complain. People, you know, from my point of view, and also people who are in the meeting as the participants complain about this, is that you always get a few people, and it's usually one or two, and it usually tends to be the same, that are taking up the majority of the breath space in the room by having to talk about everything so much that it feels like everybody else just shuts down and listens to that person go off on tangents. And then as the person running the meeting, folks are finding it difficult how to shut down that person without shutting them down and also how to keep everybody else kind of on the same page. So any tips on that? Because I know that that one is- Yeah, that, that's huge. That's huge. You know, I like to put up front, again, what my job is if I'm running the meeting. So my job is to keep us on time to take us through the different tasks involved in achieving the objective. And listen, there's going to be things that are going to come up that are going to take us off track. Again, that becomes my job to help us stay on track. But everyone needs to be aware that, you know, I may say, thank you for that thought. It's a little off from what we're talking about right now. Let's put that in the parking lot, right? So to have even a visual parking lot or somewhere where you can put things to be discussed later outside of this very valuable time that has been set aside for a purpose, right? And so those things are great when they come up. And so I look at them as, thank you so much for sharing that thought. And you know, we need to stay on track here and continue going after X problem. And so let's put that over here for now. And let's talk about it after the meeting, if that's good for you or when it's good for you. And then let's keep going. Tell me what you think, Christine, right? And then you you're moving it, you're moving it respectfully. And like great facilitators, great leaders of meetings do that really well. I'm always amazed when someone is running a meeting really effectively, navigating all the different turns and twists that are coming up and being able to keep on track and get towards that goal. Whether even if it's team bonding, if the goal is team bonding, okay, that's okay. It doesn't have to be strategic and problem solving all the time. It can be just coming together to build connectivity, right? And that's great too. It doesn't matter what the actual objective is. The goal is to achieve the objective. Yeah. I can remember somebody that we worked with who was, who was really good at that, like actually physically put up a big post-it piece of paper or whatever up on the wall, you know, parking lot. And every time somebody came up, she would write it down. And what was great about writing it down in like big black Sharpie marker was that if you were the person who she wrote that thought down, you're right. That like empowered them to go, oh, okay, this, she isn't just giving me lip service. She actually does care about this idea. We just don't have time for it now. So I love that. Because I'm also learning so much about 
where my team members are and what they're going through in our team meeting, right? If this is our weekly meeting, again, it's a chance for me to see where people are at, not judge it, but actually start to take notes, um, start to take thoughts, see what's coming up, because then I can dive in on our in our one-on-ones. I can talk to them afterwards. I can help remove some of the obstacles that are going to then help them perform at their highest levels, right? So again, I'm looking at all these opportunities I'm going to be setting up for myself in terms of meetings as opportunities to really help my players play their best games. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I always think of, you know, you're getting me excited, Greg, (laughs) which is great about meetings, right? And that's what we need to do is remember that we actually like coming together, right? We are a people that likes to be with other people, not sometimes at least, and especially if we're moving something forward, you know, I always think of a great meeting is a combination of, in my mind, kind of like four things. My mother used to tell me this is it's one part business, right? Whatever that the business part of it is. One part theater, right? What is the, what are you going to engage? What are you going to use to make this exciting? What, right? How is the environment set up for it? One part sports. So you have that like team mentality. Everybody loves like, you know, when their teams would get together for big things and get on the same page. And then one part church, meaning that it's like some sort of inspiration or time to feel good or come together. You know, if you can get those four men, and you don't have to talk about it, but like in my mind and setting up a meeting, can I work on those four things? And sometimes maybe it's going to be more business. Sometimes, you know, sports, you have a scoreboard where you're looking at what we're trying to achieve this win. You know, do I have an inspirational story that I need to add to this mix? Um, What is it? Do I need to set up this environment so that we don't have a bunch of junk in the room and we have maybe a, a clock and we're saying our, this time is valuable. We have 20 minutes to get the most out of this meeting with this brainstorm. Let's go. You know, that's a theatrical device. So it's like, how do you think of these little things that can make different types of meetings more exciting? Because you're exciting me to like be, let's not make this be drudgery, right? right? Cancel them if they're drudgery. Let's start over and make something, you know, exciting. Even if it's a results meeting, a key, you know, KPIs results meeting where you're looking at your numbers. Well, you know what? That's exciting too. When you're when you're a sports team, looking at your numbers, looking at your stats, looking at how you're going to win, how you're going to beat the next team. Yeah. That's exciting. Even if you're not on a streak, a winning streak, even if you're in a bit of a slump, it's an opportunity, hopefully in a safe enough environment to say, I'm actually having difficulty with this. And hopefully by hearing other perspectives, it's stimulating you to try some new things that are going to get you out of the slump. Right. So that's why I love I love coming together. If it's done well, it can be exactly what you're saying. All these elements that are inspiring, motivating, uh, action oriented and, you know, really clear. And and it could be it could be super helpful. You know, one time I was reminded of this recently. I was having some issues with an employee that I've worked with for, you know, a number of years, as I have so many folks at at our office. And uh, he recently brought up a kind of a grudge that he'd been holding on to. And I couldn't even remember what he was talking about. I was like, what? I don't remember this. And then I went back and I started talking to some folks that were around back then. I said, do you remember this? Because I really wanted to test myself if I was just being defensive or what was happening. And I 
I found out like, so years ago we would, we started these meetings and we would invite everybody, everybody, the board, our evaluators, our outside, you know, the people who just everybody was there. Right. And so it's essentially what should be an all hands meeting, but we were treating it like a meeting around a table talking about stuff. And, you know, and so everybody didn't need to be there for every part of it, which is another key thing is like, who needs to be in the yeah. room? So, but we didn't know what we were doing. Right. So we had everybody there and essentially it would just turn into this, the longest day ever. No one wanted to tell the owner of the company to stop talking. No one wanted, you know, everyone was fighting for a little bit of knowledge and power. Those of us who were kind of on the front lines doing the work had no idea what was happening. We were feeling overwhelmed by the things being thrown at us. We didn't know it was a brainstorming. We thought we were supposed to do stuff from it. So because I felt like I had some responsibility for pulling this meeting together, some of us had talked about like, okay, it's a real problem how some folks go off and just can't stop talking. And so we came up with this idea where we would time everybody, you know, it, it was very equal. We timed everybody. And then we would ring a bell. Yes. When the time was up, right? So we thought, oh, that's fair. Yeah, yep, that's fair. We ran it by a few of us. We felt that that was very fair because we were desperate. We had to start a yoga class after this meeting because we were all so stressed out. That's how yoga started at our office. We were just like, we got to do something because we're we lit candles. We had to like, you know, sage the place <laughs> after this meeting. Um, and we do it once a month, and it was torture. So anyway, we started this bell system. I guess. I mean, I literally forgot about this till this was brought up in a grudge way. And so we'd ring this bell whenever someone was going over their, you know, five minute time limit or whatever stupid thing we had set. And anyway, so we would bell them and then they would have to stop talking wherever they were. And we were putting that in place this person reminded me yesterday, we we're putting this in place because of the owner, because he was the one who was the most egregious. But what was interesting is one of our employees who got belled, you know, in this to stop talking, silently has held on to this for, you know, 19 years now, right? When this probably, no, it's 21, 22 years now. And because he felt that he was getting belled more than anybody else and that other people were allowed to talk longer and that, you know, he was silenced in some way. And I literally was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't remember this at all. And I'm sure it was some stupid experiment that we tried that we thought would be fair. But really what ended up happening was because I was, or not even me, everybody, because I wasn't even in power at that time, were afraid to speak truth to power and go separately and talk to the owner and be like, look, we got to come up with a different way for your voice to be heard because everybody else is shutting down as a result. Nobody wanted to have that conversation. And so therefore we came up with this convoluted cockamamie system of bells and whistles, literally bells and whistles. And in, in effect, upset the people who we were actually trying to help. Right. And probably the owner probably still kept talking. He was probably like, what's that bell going on? He doesn't, He's no longer here. But anyway, the, the point is, is that that was really interesting when that came back to me. And I think it was because we were trying our best to come up with some clever system. But in fact, it should have just had more communication. So just like you said, oh, if that person is late, you know, welcome them and then talk to them later. It's the same thing. If someone's overtaking these meetings, maybe it's best just to pull them out, talk to them at a separate time, one-on-one -on -one, to get a sense or look at your meetings and see who needs to get be in the room or who doesn't and how do we readjust yeah the that? readjustment piece is key again i'm always trying to pick up what's going to be most effective and so depending on the meeting whether it's in person whether it's virtual whether it's one-on-one -on -one, whether you know it's a weekly tactical or a strategic or a quarterly offsite, it depends on all these different 
elements and sort of how are we going to set these up for success? And each one has its own recipe. But the things we're talking about today are the key elements, you know, that actually make meetings suck. And that's why a book was written called Death by Meeting and why we have to get excited and refreshed about this and and really go after these uh, specific aspects to make them impactful. Yeah, you know, people ask me all the time, how much time should I be spending in meetings? And who knows? Like the the data on this is all over the place. I'd say a good like frame of reference if you're someone that builds things. So if you're a a programmer, if you're a, you know, working and creating, you know, a beer, whatever you're doing, if you're building things, they say about 10% of your time should be in meetings because you really need to be focused on on building something. If you're somebody who's managing, they say about you know, supervisor, middle manager, about 30% of your time should be in meetings because part of your job now is to, you know, be a coach and be talking to folks, right? Not just doing the work. And then if you're, the farther you go up, right, in your career and you have more responsibility and more people that report to you and, you know, more responsibility for the vision, they say it should be 50% or more because that's your job is to be talking to people, bringing people together, getting things out. So that could be another thing. Like, you know, again, it depends on who you are and, and what your company is, but those are kind of good rules of thumb. And the other thing that I heard recently that I haven't had you know, we've seen some people try to very good results and some are struggling. But if you have had, you know, in Zoom, it was very easy during COVID to put a 30 minute meeting or, or an hour meeting. And our meetings don't have to be 30 minutes or an hour. You can make that, try making that 30 minute meeting 25 minutes, see what happens, right? Give people a five minute like breather before their next meeting because we're just going meeting to meeting to meeting. And if you have an hour meeting, can that be 45 minutes? Does it have to be an hour? Sometimes it needs to be an hour and a half, but can it be? 45 minutes. And so sometimes even just shaving off and questioning ourselves on like, what are we, what do we need more energy behind to move? These, I, I love both these of those things. things, Christine. I love, I love the first piece uh, around the different percentages. I think it's really important to acknowledge that. And, you know, it makes sense to me hearing that. And then the second piece, I'm blanking. What did you say the second piece was again? Just quickly. The second piece was just seeing if you can oh, shave, the shave down. down. Yeah. So this came up in the, yeah. in the, in the session yesterday and, and oh. they got very excited by the idea of shaving 30 to 25 and an hour to 45 and trying that because I'll tell you exactly why they were excited because when you create parameters around something, then creativity has to expand. And mm-hmm. right. So playing with time frames is a really interesting piece and trying to accomplish things in shorter times and become more focused, more efficient, right? These are things we all want, but they're they can also increase creativity because it becomes a challenge if it's done well, it could be really cool. So, I'm a big big believer and they got super excited about this idea of, you know, potentially shortening things but to get better outcomes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. We're going to end it for today, but I, the next episode is going to be a quick fire one on tips. Tips you could implement. We've already given you a few, but tips you could implement to make your meetings even more impactful uh, and better. And so listen next time for that episode. And we look forward to having Greg back to talk about that. Thanks so much. Thanks, Christine. Bye, everybody. Hey, everybody. Greg Shammy here. As we're closing out today's episode, I've got an awesome opportunity for your new managers and people leaders. Starting May 1st, our transformative eight-week online course called Leadership Learning Lab will kick off. 
In this course, managers will learn how to build trust and engage their teams, communicate more effectively, and empower themselves and others to achieve success. Imagine if early in your career you had learned how to master the art of impactful feedback or how to navigate performance conversations with ease and even how to delegate effectively. This course is an investment in your team to help your company grow and achieve ultimate success. It's an opportunity that will help your people transform their leadership skills in just eight weeks. Spots are limited. Pre-sale is open right now. This is a chance to get ahead and secure spots for your team members at a 10% discount. Use the code PRESALE, one word. Click on the link in the show notes for more info. And thank you so much for joining Christine today. I look forward to seeing your team in our Leadership Learning Lab.